Hey everyone, welcome back to Rally Caps. It's a podcast for artists, entrepreneurs, and everybody in between. I'm Steven. I'm Eric. And I'm Gene. And today we are celebrating the second episode of 2024 with a little interview of our dear friend, Gene Yoon. You know him, you love him. He's a co-host on the show, but we wanted to give an episode to just talk specifically about him for you guys to get to know him a bit better and dive into all the work that he does and has been doing for the last 10 years now. Before we get into it, if you could quickly like the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, wherever you are watching to or listening to this, um, that would be amazing. It really helps push the show out to more and more people. Let's get into it. So Gene is here today. We are interviewing him. He's one of our closest friends. Uh, the three of us rent the space we're in right now, our studio, our upstairs studio, where obviously the Rally Cap set is. Mm-hmm. Today we want to go through the history of Gene, uh, his career, everything creative going on with him. So. Yeah, the episode's going to be split up into four different parts as we talk with Gene and interview him. We're going to start with where Gene started, what he went to school for, what he began in his photography roots, uh, move on to the bulk of his career and what he did professionally for a long time, move into 2023, what that year looked like for him and the crazy stuff that happened in his personal life and career. And then lastly, what his vision for 2024 is Mm -hmm. now that we're here. And he's notoriously the best of us. And he talks the least, which is why we are doing this episode, because we wanted to hear more from him and hopefully... You guys get to know him a bit better, too. So, Gene. Yes. Bring us back to where it all started. You went to school for photography, right? And filmmaking? Yeah, you did. Yeah, like uh, RISD. You went to uh, some art colleges, for sure. What was the first thing you said? RISD. Rhode Island School of Design. Oh, RISD. RISD. I thought you said yeah. he had like he had RISD. Oh, Riz. Dude's got RISD. Riz. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, no, you totally like did like four to five, six, seven years of college for art, right? <laughs> Masters. Like everyone else, yeah. Yeah, just like everyone else. Yeah, like everyone yeah. else. It's what it takes to be an artist. It's true. Um, I took... How I ended up here makes no sense because what I studied in college has nothing to do with um, the creative arts or anything. I studied food science. So I worked in the food industry as a, a scientist, basically, for a few years after graduating. And... It was, I didn't see it then, but how photography came about was I was living in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time and uh, would only touch a camera for like hobby purposes, just for fun, capturing family stuff, hanging out, friends, church, stuff like that. Like a lot of people start. Mm -hmm. But um, I had a friend uh, reach out to me and ask if I wanted to second shoot a wedding. And at that point I had never done that before. And this was 10 years ago now. This is 2014. Hmm? Horrifying. Yeah. Ter- like I was incredibly nervous. Was your reaction? Like I'm not capable of doing I, I, t- I told him like, Oh, I mean, I'm more than happy to, mm-hmm. cause I would love to just try it, but you're not gonna get a single good image. But, but are and you he, sure? And he got no good images from me. Okay. Like, Hey, you were, Right. But that's the story of like every, every yeah. second shooting job you ever do. Yeah. You're like, are you sure? I didn't know how to shoot manual then. Yeah. Whoa. Like manual settings. It was okay, all like yeah. barely, I barely understood aperture priority, which you don't really do anything anyways. Um, well, I did that. That was did 2014. A, 2014. Okay. Did a terrible job. 
He was very gracious. He just needed an extra body there. Yeah. Uh, but I liked it so much because I that was like the first glimpse into seeing how people can make a living doing something that they not only enjoy doing, but also um, something within the creative medium. So mm, that kind of yeah. opened my eyes. Uh, that same summer, while I was still working a full-time job, I basically reached out and met with like probably a dozen wedding photographers in Grand Rapids. And I ended up second shooting 30 weddings that that year. Jeez. I didn't know that. Yeah, I went all in. Jeez. Shot like all second it, shooting? I remember like it was on a board, like 30 weddings was a goal. And when December rolled around, I shot exactly 30 weddings. And like, what was your average price you would make? Oh, like from a second shooting, like a couple hundred bucks maybe. Like also in Michigan, very different, um, at least 10 years ago, very different demographic and market than so you'd make what two, Chicago like 250? is. Yeah, like very little. But for me, it wasn't even about the money. I was so willing just to learn. Yeah. And uh, within that one year, I learned so much about photography, but more importantly, more about uh, like working with people, directing problem solving, and then making sure that clients are happy during the actual shoot. Stuff that I just didn't understand before that. That is like an educational crash course. 100%. Is doing that volume of second shooting. I learned so much. I think that that year, uh, in 10 years of shooting like weddings and just doing this as a career, that was the year that I learned the most mm -hmm. within that amount of time, like easily. Well, yeah. I think also learning all the skills of, of people skills. 100%. First yeah. is invaluable. And I feel like so many people just kind of yeah. like take the reins because I didn't really start with second shooting as much. I feel like I kind of faked my way into like the technical part for sure of doing it. Yeah. And it's just so much faking along the way that you have to learn all the people skills. So the fact that the foundation was built with people skills, because that's widely yeah. applicable to even the stuff you're doing now. That's 100% yeah. related. Yeah. I learned then uh, looking back at the, the length of my career as a photographer so far that most times clients don't really know what's a, a good image and a great image, like mm. differentiating that. They do remember though, uh, your communication skills. Mm. They remember your timeliness. Mm. They remember your professionalism. They remember your energy and what you bring to the table as a person. And that's why they keep hiring you. So like yeah. I've learned that as a wedding photographer, there are people who are so much more talented than mm -hmm. I am creatively, artistically, uh, technically, but it's who you are as a person, what you bring to the table. That's why people keep hiring you. Mm -hmm. So that's a lesson I learned 10 years ago. Um, after that, the way I started booking weddings was through friends mm -hmm. and then coworkers. So people saw that I was building a portfolio out. They saw that I started shooting weddings. Um, and so friends started asking, I'd shoot weddings for like 500 bucks, 700 bucks, a yep. thousand. I remember the first wedding, I made $1,500. I was like on cloud nine. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is, like this can be a thing, mm -hmm. um, but you're balancing food science the entire time. Yeah, so like and you're we, married at this point. Yeah, we had um we had our first daughter in 2016, and that was when we were living at that point in East Lansing, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would. So you went to Michigan State. <clears throat> went to Michigan State. That yep. was in Grand Rapids. Uh, Where is Michigan State? East Lansing. Oh. Yeah. Wait. So Grand Rapids is after college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So I went to East Lansing for school, Michigan State. Met but then you Lois. moved back to East Lansing. Yeah, we went back there. Gotcha. So I met my wife there. We lived in Grand Rapids for a couple of years. Yep. We got married in Grand Rapids. And then we moved back to East Lansing because I took a new job there. Um, and then we had Sophie, our oldest. And that's and that's the job that you had for like three years? I had it for like just under two years. And that's my, that was my last job before, before going full time. time. And that was food science still? Food science still. A similar yeah. role to what you were doing prior to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, everything that I was doing within that world was... 
uh, like working in a lab. So uh, I did a lot of like quality control work, a lot of product development work is what I was really doing in the industry. Yeah, it's so um, I can't picture. Yeah, you it's doing so far that. from it's like so what wild. I do now. Yeah. I kind of forget that I. It's like a different life. And what yeah. was the pay like in that industry? I made my last full time job in East Lansing before we moved to Chicago, and I went full time with this. My salary was thirty three thousand dollars. Wow. Oh wow. Full time. Full time. Wow. But cost of living in East Lansing? Much lower than Chicago, still but still low. like 33000 is, I mean, that was seven years ago now, but that's not very much. Mm-hmm. Full time now, yeah. And then supporting- With a family. A child. It's also yeah. like in that season, I remember that last year before we moved here, 2016, I shot 18 weddings. Um, so I'd wake up at like five in the morning. I would have Sophie next to me in like one of those automatic rockers. Yeah. I would work in our living room for like two hours and then get ready for work, go to work, Come back and then, like at night when everyone was sleeping, just keep editing again. Yep. And you yep. sleep like four or five hours a night. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And you could live off that. I was I was younger, but also like that's how much I cared to uh, put in the work. Yeah. Did you see? Did you see like a light at the end of the tunnel where you're like, this will be profitable someday if I keep pouring time into it? I yes and no. I didn't because I didn't understand any of the business side of anything yet at that point. So I could see that there was a potential for something. Um, what that potential was, I had no idea. I had no idea what it could become. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved to Chicago, really the reason for that was I started booking more weddings in Chicago than in Michigan. And I was booking for more money. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and for me, it's a homecoming. I grew up here. So um, we kind of decided between my wife and I that that was the next big move for our family was to move from Michigan to Chicago. But in that transition was also when I went full time. So we kind of went like all in. Yeah. Uh, my projected income that year was not very much. Yeah. But we still like my wife was like for the next year, just like go for it. Yeah. Did you have savings? No, we had nothing. Oh. In fact, we were like, <laughs> this is another story, which like Eric is more familiar with. But uh, we were in, like deep in credit card debt. Um, like I also knew nothing about money. Right. Um, I forgot about that. I knew nothing like- about business, money budgeting, uh, investing, I, I knew nothing. And so like for us to do that was a little reckless cause we had a child, but there's no way that I would have ended up here today. Right, if, if you're on the ropes. If I didn't give myself that chance to, to try. There is a, something to be said about being on the ropes like yeah. that. Yeah, I work my- You have to have enough self-awareness to realize you can survive yeah. while being on the ropes, you know? People don't understand that um, sometimes if you really want to do it, not everyone's afforded the opportunity or the resources to like go pursue their dreams. Yeah. And sometimes in that pursuit, you have to do stuff that you don't want to do. Like I I would go on Craigslist and just pick up odd and I, I did a lot of random stuff just to make like 50 bucks here, sell <laughs> this thing for $12. Like yeah. I did everything just so that I could make it work. Um, and then it finally paid off. And like a year and a half later, I started seeing like substantial incoming increases. But yeah. I didn't know then like what it would turn into. I think what's so interesting about, I had this idea the other day, like the the whole cost of living versus how much you make. Yeah. Uh, so many people don't talk about, so many people gripe about the cost of living in a place like Chicago or a big city, but not a lot of people talk about the um, the leverage of opportunity. For sure. And the ability to make more in that ratio actually being larger on the income side. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting when you think about it that way because you experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. I think we all kind of experience it firsthand. I think a lot of people struggle with it in markets, creative markets that are a lot harder to dip into. If you're not on the internet and you're just doing things yeah. locally, 
Um, but also in 2017 was the first time we had coffee at Heritage, right? You 16 and I, or 17. You and I hung out in 2016 because I moved here in at the very end of October. And at that point, you had... A, oh, maybe it was early 2017. Yeah. And you started hosting like... Um, Co-working. Yeah, at, at your place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think there's some other people were there too. Like mm -hmm. Kyle was there. But mm -hmm. right? yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's a, yeah. That's, a that's reason, another story. Yeah. It's a reason Creative Club. Yes. Started. Yeah. So we met. We, we we met at Newton's wedding. Mm -hmm. So we have a mutual friend that we both we both stood in the wedding, and Eric also shot the wedding. But you had an associate second shooter shoot the portions ceremony. of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's where we met, and that was in 2015. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, but we started meeting up and linking up early 2017, and that's when the conversation came up, uh, both loosely, but. Um, formally as far as like maybe getting a collaborative space, which is now Creative Club Chicago. And that happened, uh, it happened quickly. I mean, that's another story, but essentially four of us decided that may, I think, to get the space in this building. And now we've been here six years. And if you dig far enough back in our catalog, mm -hmm. you can find that story yeah. on the Creative Club yeah. episode. Yep. Mm -hmm. But also where does the Pacific Northwest fit in all of that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, while I was in Michigan, and even like maybe the first year or two I was in Chicago, I started booking destination weddings. And the way that that happened was through friends. So friends who graduated college, um, who went back home or moved back to moved to another city they wanted to explore. That's how I booked Chicago weddings too. It's not because all my friends, my hometown friends saw me shooting weddings. It was like friends from Michigan State moving to Chicago who knew me basically as a young adult, not from like high school, we're getting engaged and would ask. Uh, but the same thing happened in Seattle. So I think I shot on average like three weddings a year in, in Seattle for like three years in a row. Um, and I began to get referrals out there too from those friends, mm. uh, which then opened the door for like shooting in Iceland. I shot an engagement session in Iceland. I remember I shot a wedding uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, so I traveled a little bit for all these little weddings, but I wasn't making a lot of money. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Wasn't making very much money though. It was like, Inches it was wide. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked cool, I think, um, on the internet, but in reality, I was still making more money in Chicago, shooting mm -hmm. weddings oh, in yeah. Chicago, or like just like locally to where I was at at that time. Um, but that was that also kind of propelled me into um, building more of a, I guess, name brand or more confidence into couples, seeing that I was shooting weddings kind of abroad. Yeah. Um, and so I began to book bigger weddings with bigger budgets, working with better planners and bigger planners. And uh, that kind of just got me to, to today, as far as weddings, at least. And at what point in time did you decide you wanted to branch out and incorporate commercial and specifically interior work yeah. into your portfolio? Yeah, this is probably about, I want to say four years ago. This is right before 2020 when COVID happened. Um, I realized that although I enjoy shooting weddings, uh, up until like three years ago, I was shooting like 30, 35 a year. And uh, frankly speaking, so good for the bank account, uh, so bad for my personal life. Mm. Um, as far as like my marriage, community, even church, family, friends, like I was just working nonstop. And it's not only the, all the weekends you miss, all the festivities, all of your friends' weddings you miss. 
it's all the stuff in between. It's all the editing. It's all the communication, all the meetings. And so around that time, it was kind of like not so much out of my frustration with my my work, but I needed another outlet to begin building something for um, for the future that wouldn't be so dependent on weddings, on my wedding work. And one of the things I really enjoyed in my wedding work was the contextual shots, a lot of the detail shots, specifically interiors. And around that time, I had no interior experience as far as shooting like residential, commercial. Uh, but I started reaching out to interior designers, started booking these really small jobs, then started booking bigger jobs. And then it's a very small community and then started getting referrals. And so um, fast forwarding four years, I actually don't do a lot of residential interior work anymore but there was a season in conjunction with my wedding work where I was really booking a lot of interior work but that was really for not so much my interest in oh I want to be this interior photographer yeah. is more me practicing and getting my reps in to start doing commercial work yeah. and really deviating away from weddings to give you something that almost feels like a normal nine to five again. yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah and so like that's um kind of fast forwarding to today uh, I don't have that many weddings booked for next year. Mm. Um, but I think because I did that four years ago, because I started doing work that wasn't wedding related, it's afforded me a lot of new opportunities uh, to work with a lot of new clients mm. yeah. in the commercial space, but specifically within the genres that I like to enjoy. Yeah. And shoot. So for your own personal sake, starting to shift your attention from exclusively weddings yeah. to a much more diversified yeah. array of work. So mm -hmm. it's not cutting them out completely. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a plan on cutting them out completely? Interiors? No. Weddings? Weddings? Yeah, I think that um, next year is uh, this year. This year. This year. This year. 2024, uh, 2024 This year is the first year where I'm like really being active and controlling how much I book. Yeah. Um, I've already gotten some like really cool inquiries, but looking at where the dates fall in my existing calendar with weddings, but also just knowing that we're, we're planning a lot of stuff for the doc. Yeah. I'm really trying to keep my calendar pretty open. So yep. um, I'll be honest, like it is, Same. it's difficult saying no, because I, mm -hmm. I want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. I want to buy a forerunner, right, Chad? Like I want to buy those things, mm -hmm. but Amen. Um, I know that if I say yes to that work because of the money, uh, I will regret being in that season of this year where I feel so bogged down by the stuff that mm -hmm. I'm not super excited about. And also it's so unfair to those clients. It's so unfair to those couples if I don't bring 110% of my mm. commitment to them either. Yep. And so I'm really spacing my wedding work out this year so that I can give those couples my full attention yep. um, and not cheap anyone from that experience that they should get from me. Totally. Uh, but yeah, this is the first year where I really am going to go like under eight. I think eight to 10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I think next year, maybe two years after that, 2025 and 26, I might shoot like around five yeah. for like incredible couples, incredible referrals. Cause there's a group of like couples I have where they always refer their friends to me. And I love seeing they're all my so old couples. They're so hard to turn it's, down, especially it's so much if fun. local too. Oh yeah. I've, I've, there's a circle of couples I have that I've shot like, it's the fourth friend group in that fourth couple in that group. Yeah. And I just get to see my old couples every single wedding. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's so much fun. Um, but I think that like 2026 will probably be my last wedding season. Like really ever shooting weddings. I, I think like after that, I will just completely stop. Dang. Yeah. The, cur the curtain call. Yeah. That is kind of the catch 22 with weddings though. Is that I feel like everyone gets to that point eventually. Because yeah. Because you are becoming more acutely aware of how much time you're trading yeah. for money and how 
how much you rely on that. And it requires you to be there in person. It's your personality. It's you doing the thing. It's, it's hard. And that's why you see so many wedding photographers once they get to a certain amount of time in their career, start yeah. to bring on associates, start to scale into education, start to take the foot off the gas insofar as them being there doing the work because you have families, you have the only way to other scale. dreams, yeah. you have other things that you want to do. And as fun as weddings are, it is a really physically and emotionally demanding job yeah. and doing it at the scale that you do at the start of your career is pretty unsustainable for most people. Yeah. I also like, I'm not conceited enough to think that, Oh, if I don't shoot this wedding, uh, they're not gonna get good. There's so many talented, wonderful wedding photographers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have no concerns that like that couple that I say no to, they'll still find a wonderful photographer. Yeah. Also yeah. refer great photographers to them. Yeah. And also I think that um, like my life has changed a lot on the personal level as far as like my family, my family development and like my involvement and even in our, like in our church. Mm -hmm. And there's other areas I wanna invest my time into. Um, and that doesn't mean that I get a return financially. In fact, like um, with every passing year, I actually wanna, kind of dial back how much money, it sounds weird, but how much money I make, uh, that's so closely tied to how much I'm working. Yeah. And yeah. I saw this thing online actually very recently about how we're in this culture where we always talk about like bigger, better, more employees, hiring more people. Um, we never talk about how like, sometimes it's okay just to work just enough so that you're happy yeah. and you have enough to take care of your family, but you don't have to like two X your income every single year. And that's kind of been my perspective uh, on business the past four years is, mm. Um, truthfully, my income has increased every year, but it's not because I'm looking for it to increase. I'm not trying to like work 10 extra hours a week so I can like make more money. Um, I value so much more my personal time and how, what I can do with it than being tied to, I have to do this because I agreed to do it because they're going to pay me. Yeah. And with weddings, um, the honest, the honesty of it all is like, I'm entering my 10th season my eighth season being full-time in weddings. And like, I think it's close to time for me to like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like hang it up and like move on to the next thing. What What is that in relationship to wanting to purchase your first home though? That's one of the reasons why um, from a business perspective, I haven't completely shut down my wedding business. So you, you got out of credit card debt when? 2019. And you became a credit card guru when? 2019. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the short, short version of that backstory is when Lois and I moved here because I decided we decided to go full time to let me do this full time. That also meant I was making no money. And in fact, we were spending more money than I was making. And so we found On ourselves. Cards. Yeah. We found ourselves in 2018, uh, with like 45 grand in credit card debt, which is a, a lot. Don't, don't recommend it. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, and I remember like distinctly Lois sitting me down. I remember I was like about to walk out the door and she's like, Hey, so, uh, what's happening with like our finances? Cause she had a computer, her laptop open in the living room. And then as soon as she said that, I was like, Oh crap. Like, here we go. We talk, we we have to talk about it now because it was this one. It was like this thing we just weren't addressing. Mm -hmm. And I remember I closed the door, sat on the couch, and for like the next two hours, 
she was basically just calling me out and like, what the heck happened? Mm -hmm. Like, I thought you were going to take care of this. You're going to figure, like she knew too that I wasn't making very much money, but she thought that things were being a little more controlled. And so when she looked at the numbers, she's like, what happened? And so that was kind of the wake up call for me to begin, um, you know, asking people ahead of me, uh, ahead in life stage, like fathers who are much older than me about like their budgeting and their approach to finances. And I actually learned a lot from some of my mentors in church too, but that also meant that I had to share how much that we had. I couldn't be like this arbitrary number. Yeah, it's like a, it's kind of a lot, but like I had to be very honest with the people that I was asking help from. And so uh, in seven months and eight months, we paid all of it off, which is actually kind of crazy. Uh, but the reason that happened was because it gave me like a renewed purpose for my business and then where that money's supposed to go. And so it's crazy because once that debt was covered, 2019 was the first year I broke six figures. Mm. Um, so I look at like the, I look at the progression of how that all happened, going from like that much debt to hitting a, a marker in my career where I never thought I'd make that much money. Um, it just required intentionality yeah. and accountability. Mm -hmm. And like, those are the two things I found myself needing and having in 2018. And so uh, that's always like something I keep in the back of my mind when it comes to my business and work and money is uh, what's the purpose of this? What's the intention I have? What's my motivation for saying yes to this job or no to this job? And uh, making sure that financially I'm never in a position again where I put myself or my family in that kind of scenario where there's so much anxiety and stress around. Can we pay rent this month? Mm -hmm. Can we put food on the table? Uh, like that's my responsibility. And so. Um, yeah, it's been a, a long journey. I feel like I still have so much to learn about finances, but uh, that was a difficult, but such an incredible season of our lives. Looking back. Yeah. So what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone in a similar position? In debt? Yeah, with like, especially credit card. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is actually like, uh, you can't do it by yourself. And so if it's, if it's like one of those things that you just quietly keep to yourself, um, if you don't have accountability, if there's no external pressure to work on it, you kind of never work on it. Uh, and so I think that the methodology for how you want to approach taking care of it, I think there's different ways to do it. Um, there's different uh, strategies out there. But I think the biggest thing is actually making sure that you have people who know about it and who are asking you about it and then um, letting people into that very vulnerable, insecure place. Uh, but you need accountability to work on it because if you just do it by yourself, I think it's almost impossible to really really work, especially like today's, today's society, the accessibility to credit cards now and like what you can do and how much money you can, like lines of credit, uh, you can really find yourself in a really deep hole. And uh, yeah, you need people to kind of help you navigate that, so. So that happened in 2019. We've been jumping times a little bit throughout yeah. this, but it's 2024 now. Yeah. Last gosh. couple of years has been that, that period of time you've started integrating more commercial work in, branching out, diversifying your business quite a bit, and at the same time considering scaling back weddings. And I feel like 2023 was kind of the epitome year of that yeah. for you. In yeah. a lot of regards as YouTube and commercial stuff took off more. And as you still shot a, a fair, I think you still shot 18 weddings last year. Yeah, 18 weddings. But that was you know still less than 30 to 35 that you've yeah. been doing in previous years. Yeah. What did 2023 feel like for you as far as, a, it, did it feel like a transitional year for your business? Yeah, 2023, uh, coming off of 2022, because we wrapped the doc stuff 
kind of basically in this kind of in December of twenty kind of twenty two. Kind of. <laughs> and we did kind of. And we did like you know, we we traveled a lot in twenty twenty two, starting in May, at least for me. Yeah. That was my first trip to New York. Um I really feel like twenty twenty two for context was a year that I invested a lot into not my own business, but just into what we were doing as a group. Mm-hmm. Uh giving my time, uh, my energy, my focus. And then 2023 was a year where I began to look at my business more closely again. Uh, and that's why I shot 18 weddings. Um, I would say 2023 for me was uh, a year of really having to begin building actual blocks for my foundation to now really kind of step away from weddings, but also begin thinking about the next five years. Like what, what do I want to do five years from now? Um, I want to do stuff with you guys. I want to do stuff that we're doing in this space or the doc is really just representative of what we're actually working on. Mm -hmm. And hopefully those are things that we'll share more with everyone this year. But um, 2023 was a year for me to really look at my business and be okay with making less money this year, 2024, because I'm just saying no to so many weddings now and really focusing on what's next for my career as a photographer, as an artist, but not being known as a wedding photographer, which I don't mm-hmm. call myself anymore either, actually. Like when people ask what I do, I don't really say anymore, oh, I'm a wedding, pho- I just say I'm a photographer. Um, but it was a year that I think I refocused back on my business and I'm so happy about how 2022 happened and even like the first half of 2023 with the doc and everything. But I'm excited for what we're doing as a community, like our collective group but definitely what I'm doing, even on my own individually, independent from you guys. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you landed a pretty dream client mm-hmm. at the end of 2023, mm-hmm. which is hugely exciting for you. Yeah. Yeah. I booked a um, basically work with IHG, which is one of like the big four hotel brands. And the reason why that's so exciting for me is because that's kind of been the getting that client has been the the fruition of all my hard work as far as like, I can look back now at weddings, doing interior work, um, product photography, messing with that, uh, just like my lifestyle stuff, even the, the incorporation of film. And I look at booking that job, even my interest in like travel, travel hacking, credit card stuff, it's the perfect client mm. for my actual interests. And so um, really what I'm doing with them is uh, really a blend of like lifestyle, interiors, product, shooting on film, vertical videos. It's, it's just like, it's perfect because it's all the things I'm interested in. And mm-hmm. I still get to flex travel stuff, travel hacking, mm-hmm. and still shoot in the way that I want to with the mediums that I, I want to shoot in. And so, um, yeah, that was a an unexpected, but a very, um, like, it'll be something I look back on. And even if like all my work with them stopped today, I'll still have look back on the work I've done with them so far and be so proud and happy with what I've given them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I'll look at it in my career, just like when I shot 30 weddings in 2014, uh, booking them as a client will be like a big milestone yeah. when I look at my career. Yeah. 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 When you start niching into all those specific mm-hmm. things, you find the client that kind of finds all those intersecting points of yeah. your creative yeah. voice. Yeah. It's when you know it's such a good fit. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's such a good foundational block for you moving forward and for sure. recognizing like, oh, this is a really clear path. If I could have this company as uh, a longstanding client and maybe some others as well, 
Yeah. Um, but also with YouTube, like where does that fit in and all this? Cause you started your channel in 21. Yeah. At the end of 2021, I think. Yeah. End of 21. Oh, it's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a while now. Yeah. It's yeah. been a decent two years now. Yeah. Uh, you know what happened this last year very weird year for your youtube channel mm -hmm. yeah 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 i would say that um up until the summer of this of last year 2023 uh, it was a lot of tinkering is a lot of like even making videos i look at half the videos i made there i made the videos i thought i was supposed to make mm -hmm. uh half of them were not videos i was like actually excited about yeah um and not to say like i didn't enjoy i enjoyed making all the videos mm -hmm. otherwise i really wouldn't have done them but I think last year after that one video kind of popped a little bit. Um, a in little bit. In, Jul in July, a, a lot of bit. For my channel, at least. <laughs> like for the size of my channel. Um, Just talk numbers so they have context of what that means. Yeah, I think I had like 5,000 something subscribers. Uh, and then my average view count was probably, it was like a thousand, maybe a thousand, like on a really good stretch. But that video got like 300 something thousand views and over doubled your subscriber base. Yeah. I've like got, like, I think like 14,000 something now. And, and you just didn't make any video. Yeah. I made one video recently, which did not do well statistically, but it's a video. Like I actually love that video. Yeah. Um, was that your short film? Yeah. yeah the yeah, short yeah. film for music, but like, I love that video. That's actually, I would say like top five <laughs> videos for me yeah. that I've made so far. And so I think that happening in July with that basically like viral video for my channel um, and then even like making that video recently and it not doing well on YouTube, it was such a, it provided so much reassurance to me that I actually don't care about the numbers that much because mm -hmm. I, I think, I mean, I do care, but it, my worth as an artist or as a budding filmmaker, someone learning video, it can't be so closely tied to the numbers because sometimes you just can't control it. And sometimes you make stuff that you're so proud of that maybe doesn't resonate with people. And sometimes you make stuff that you don't really care about that like people love. And so yeah. my goal for this year is just to make stuff that I love. So, so when it comes to YouTube in the context of this larger conversation, mm -hmm. is YouTube a foundational building block of your future moving forward or is it just icing? For me, it's icing right now, at least right now. For me, like YouTube is going to be the area that I keep connecting with other people because the thing that I've gained the most from YouTube is not the monetary amount because like I don't get that much money from them it's the people I've connected with. It's all the opportunities yeah. that I've been able to get through YouTube. And honestly, I said this at the very beginning of when I started my channel, one of my goals was to get better at video. And I'm not amazing, but I'm so much better than I was three years ago. I know so much more about editing now, sound design, um, color grading than I did three years ago. And so like for me, that's the biggest win is I've taken that and I've been able to pitch deliverables that are video deliverables to clients now. I'm getting paid for that. So like there's so much worth in what I wanted to get out of YouTube. And like for whatever, if people are familiar with my channel, um, whatever people have seen on there up until today, it won't look like that moving forward. I just like, I'll still incorporate film and maybe talk about like photography and stuff, but it won't be about gear. It won't be about specs. It won't be about like first impressions of this camera. Um, Cause it doesn't interest me. And so it's so unfair for me to make things that I don't care about and expect people to watch it too. Mm -hmm. uh, what's next for YouTube? I don't know. Um, I do want to just get more into like narrative stuff, uh, lifestyle stuff too. 
And would you I, would you document like your IHG jobs? I don't think so. Not the not the IHG stuff. Only mm -hmm. because um, there's like certain contractual stipulations with what I've signed with them. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty uh, wary of like what I share about all the IHG stuff. Um, just out of respect for like what we agreed upon. But I do think like I want to flex more the the filmmaking. I think like that's what like 2024 is a year that I want to start really getting better. Like I want to take another jump in my video skills mm -hmm. and be able to use YouTube to do that. But I'm not looking to like hit a certain subscriber count or like make X amount of money from YouTube. So for me, it, right now it is just icing. Then we're going to buy a studio cinema camera. Sony. FX3, baby, let's go. <laughs> Oh, also, like, that's I want to like, what I meant. <laughs> I, I know it's not like I want to also like um, I want to be excited about making stuff on YouTube, and I just haven't felt that yeah since that July video. Which yeah. that video also like on a personal level, it's maybe my favorite video. Not because it did so well, but because every time I watch it, it's personal. It evokes an an emotional reaction from me, and so it's like so special to me because it actually captures the life of my family. Um, at that time. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff I want to make more of. Not so much about my family, but I want to make stuff that evokes something that I'm connected to. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it resonates with people, but clearly sometimes it does. Like when that video, you yeah. know. We'll link that video below, by the way, in case you haven't seen it, you totally should. The comment section on that video is like the most wholesome corner mm -hmm. of YouTube I've ever seen. It's really, really sweet. And you should check it out if you haven't seen it already. And the fact that Musicbed subsidized all of our like, personal filmmaking projects last year. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It was pretty nice as a cool way to I mean, just sneak some therapy uh, into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like our own yeah. uh, HSA fund. Yeah. It was great. It's real weird. Like at Christmas when I was showing the film of my mom and then yeah. I start doing an ad read. But <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm like, guys, you can turn it off now. And they're like, no, no, no. We want to watch this part. I'm like, why? No, if you hit the forward key, it just get five seconds, five seconds. Oh, uh, yeah, it's yep. funny, like, because that video was a sponsor video from Musicbed. Yeah. And so, like, I do an ad read in it, which, um, yeah, it's it's not jarring. It's it's a part of the process. Yeah. But I, it's, yeah. it's so funny to me, too, that that was the one that we added on post-contract. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah. like, the extra one for the the medium yeah. business subscription upgrade. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's not often on the platform that you see integrated sponsorships in that way mm -hmm. with, like, such meaningful filmmaking it's so yeah. often that it's just the like cut for 30 seconds to do the ad read where everyone's like boop 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 yeah and i feel like with these people are like actually probably sitting through it also like us three don't do the ad reads in a way it's like right yeah it yeah. doesn't we're just trying feel like to like this make is the sponsored it, section. yeah we're yeah. trying to make also for like on behalf of the brand that's sponsoring like we're trying to do do them justice by like doing a good job with the ad reads too, not just like putting it together haphazardly yep. so um, yeah, but you never know like which videos do well. Yeah. Sometimes you do like, you know, uh, before you make them like, oh, this could do really well. But I think like with the mental game of YouTube that I've learned in almost three years now is uh, one, it's like moving target. Yeah. And two, if I keep looking at the numbers too closely, which trust me, I have, I have done that. Mm -hmm. um, and you get too engrossed in it, you can kind of lose lose a bit of your self-confidence or your identity as an artist. If you just, there's no other medium in my experience so far where like you're so closely watching the analytics mm -hmm. than there is with YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, you know, after that viral video last year and experiencing like an incredible high, 
But also at the same time, like I kept saying this to people, I didn't really, people may not believe me. I didn't, really didn't care that much. It was like one of those things where like Lois kept my wife, she's like, oh my gosh, she's, I'm like, oh, I didn't even look today. Like I just, it's so cool, but my life didn't change. It's not like all of a sudden I made more money or like I became famous. Like you're still the same person. Mm -hmm. Like you still go to bed as the same person. And so I think this year I just want to blend, you know, like my interests with like photography and film photography um, into like life, but not talk about photography per se. Well, your actions showed your intentions with YouTube because everyone else that wants to make it their career would have poured gas on that fire. For sure. Yeah. It was like so indicative to me, which I, I love when people have like, I actually love when people have like big aspirations for YouTube, like Steven does for this year. Like I think it's actually incredible. Um, but what I learned about myself seven months ago was I actually don't. And like, I'm okay with that. Like, at least for now in this season of life, like I just want to have fun. Um, I'm already so like focused on my work right now outside of like YouTube. And so mm. for me, it's just, it, I want it to be a playground where I can keep exploring and making mistakes, but not have it be so closely tied to the value of who I am as an artist. Um, for me, that's been difficult on an emotional level, mental level the past three years, like finding my, like a slowly growing channel. It's just like, it's hard. I don't know. Um, so this year I'm just telling myself, just have fun and whatever happens, happens. More collaborative videos. I think, For sure. This year. I and, just have fun. And we're people. finally, you, we are finally, finally doing our Boston trip. Yeah. Yes. To my favorite we're Indian restaurant. Indian food. Planet. We're going to, yeah, it's going to be great. Yes. Yeah. We've been talking about that video for two years. Yeah. Finally. Finally. So what does 2024 look like? Uh, this year, I think, um, will be so much more about doing less, less, but more. So like, uh, less running. Oh, <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> personal attack. how can you do less if you don't do any? <laughs> well, that's just my heart crying out. That just came out. It's so Was like, that an act? That felt like a genuine like Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you um, mean to say that? <laughs> he like looked right at me when he said it. He's like, oh, uh, I mean, <clears throat> oopsie. Oh my god. Um, I, like what I mean by that is less busyness, less like doing so many physical things. Um, not so much like less hours in the studio or seeing you guys are working, but less like jobs, less clients. Um, but more like better work for those clients. Like that's my goal for this year. So I, that's why I'm not gonna shoot a lot of weddings. So in, in that regard, I don't feel like I'm sprinting the entire year, editing, mm -hmm. communication, shooting. I wanna do, I wanna basically like trim all the fat and then with the work that I do do. Nice pause. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. With, uh, with that work, I really wanna focus and create quality work um, and elevate my quality of work. And that's what I mean by doing more uh, with those clients. So mm. this is a year where I, I want to really be less busy, yeah. but in <clears throat> the work that I'm doing, be so much more intentional and thoughtful with my work. And as an artist, I really want to see myself at the end of this year, not only improve as a videographer, someone with video skills, but even as a photographer, I want to look at this year and have that same feeling I did in 2014. Well, I learned so much this year. I explored so, I took so many risks this year and I learned a lot. And so that's kind of my goal for, like, I don't have any like business goals as far as like metrics, numbers. Um, I don't even have like dream clients. Like oh, I want to work with this brand or client. Like 
I just want to be thoughtful and intentional with my work and find a lot of contentment in that and not chasing something that I can't control. Yeah, the rest will follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was very timely that you put it like that and used the word busy so many times because there's a designer that I follow on Instagram and uh, his YouTube channel as well named Elliot. Uh, And one of the new posters he released recently that I wanted to buy for the studio. He's hilarious. He's actually genuinely very talented, but all of his posters are just like trolly, hilarious (laughs) stuff. And so this, this one in particular, it just says, uh Oh, I used busy to describe how I'm feeling again. (laughs) And I thought it was so spot on and so funny. I was like, we need to have that in the editing room. Because I feel like that's true, not only for the three of us, but for everyone else in the studio too, is like, it's so easy for the word busy to become all encapsulating. And it's just this thing that we just throw at to describe how we're feeling or what we're doing. And it, it, it kind of, I don't know, for me at least, like delegitimizes the work that I'm doing. If I'm just like, oh, I'm yeah. just always busy. Yeah. It's like, well, what are you actually doing then? And I don't ever want to feel that way with yeah. the work that we're doing. So I, that feels like a, a nice little offshoot of GPMS. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. Know, the yep. non busy lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. Because you can't actually get bored with being busy all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't you didn't leave space to explore that yeah. or to become bored. But what you're doing yeah. and what I'm hoping to do this year as well is just carving out space and continually saying no. Like just had an opportunity to travel to shoot again and I basically was like I charge a premium now. Yeah. And if you want to if you want to want to book me it's going to cost an arm and a leg and it's not just because I'm trying to be a jerk like that's just what my time costs now. Yeah, for sure. And even then I'm hesitant to even like quote a number. Yeah. I'm kind of just like, nah, I don't, I don't, because of, yeah, all the travel we're going to do with doc premieres. Yeah. I'm like races on the back of my mind. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Thinking about that. Yeah. Gene's got like seven, eight races lined up this year. A lot of, a lot of travel. I thought you said you're not running this year. You're running a half marathon. I'm pacing you on a half marathon. In March. So, anyways, appreciate you guys. <laughs> in March. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. In March. In this economy. That's crazy. Uh, so you're now a coffee influencer. I love coffee so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, I really actually. So at yeah. our church, dude, I see you posting those stories. What's the company? At. Yo, you don't want to do a plug, bro. I work right well, next to you. I see what you There's watch like a, all day long. There's like I forget long. what it is. You've been putting it on your stories. Oh, Sunny Day. Yeah, it's a friend of yours. Yeah. So uh, Simon is his name. We connected last year because actually he watched my viral video. Mm. So like after that video, um, and that's like that was one of the cool things was people who I probably wouldn't have connected with naturally um, saw that video. And because it resonated with them, I had people commenting and reaching out saying, hey, like this and that. And so he's someone that I connected with, loves so much of what he's doing. Uh, he's doing a lot of things, but he um, just co-founded or started a coffee brand. But the premise of their business is like coffee in the outdoors. So like uh, the whole like ideology behind the business is like getting outside, not just being inside. And he's a huge believer in that. If you look at his YouTube channel and his videos, I think he just passed 300,000 subscribers, but um, yeah, so we've been talking a lot. He knows I like coffee a lot, and so uh, he's been sending me stuff very graciously, but yeah, coffee, I, I love, so, like, that's what I realized. I love, I, I'm not gonna be a coffee influencer, but like, I love coffee well, so Never much. say never. Yeah, I just like love coffee so much, and 
I think this year, I want to create space for that kind of stuff. Like, I just want to not always be so busy, busy. <laughs> working on stuff that I'm like, oh, why did I say yes to this? Yeah. Why am I yeah. editing this right now? Like, one thing I wish someone told me 10 years ago was that, uh, that I'm in the driver's seat of my business. Mm. Um, and that applies to life, right? Like, you get to dictate not everything, but most things. And... This year, 2024, is going to be the year where I really take ownership of that fact and I make it my reality that I'm in the driver's seat of like what I say yes and no to. I'm mm -hmm. in the driver's seat of my time with who I want to see. Like that's up to me. And so, um, yeah, like I want to do coffee stuff. I want to shoot a lot more film, but I don't want it to be all tethered to work. You want to keep some hobbies to yourself. I do. I really do. Like some things, I like Lois is... Uh, she knows my personality. Like once I get really into something, like I'll keep, <laughs> I'll just go and go and go. And she's like, oh my gosh. Cause she's like, she's been seeing these coffee influencers who like buy cart and then start doing like pop events and like yeah, start yeah. like, and she's like, oh my gosh, did you buy a cart? Yeah, I'm like, oh, actually I just bought a cart on Amazon. <laughs> and then she's like, she's like, wait, she's like, wait, what? I was like, just kidding. I mean, next week. And so like, there are some things that she's like, why are we in credit card debt again? She's like, what happened? <laughs> Oh, um, well, I bought a Linnea Mini. <laughs> <laughs> dream, yes, dream. dream. <laughs> People dream about like dream cameras. Like for me, that's the dream. It's like a Linnea Mini. A I have a Linnea machine. Mini. <laughs> you do have a, she's not so mini anymore. Yeah. yeah. She's um, about the size of one espresso machine. Four year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Had a, yeah, for four years. Yeah, but I just want to, <laughs> I think all of us have stuff that we enjoy so much and not everything has to be about work. Yeah. Um, and I think some of it is also just getting older too. Like I'm 33, I'll turn 34 this year. And I also don't feel like that person I did 10 years ago where I need to like, just go, 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 go. Uh, and more, 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 more. Like, um, it seems to be that that's the third, that's thirties. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. Not, not for everyone, I guess. <laughs> no, I, yeah. You know, not, yeah. I, these guys, like these guys, like <laughs> this geez. guy would know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah. It, it very much feels that way. Um, just this past week, like was supposed to have a video done few days ago same thing with the driver's seat i was like there could be consequences to not getting this done on time yeah but like i know what it was like years ago when i worked through new year's eve and i don't care to have that again and i'm okay with the consequences of it not being done on time yeah and if that's not a perfect example of just like you're overworked like so that yeah take the foot off the gas and it does for all of us feel like 24 will be that in such a beautiful way. Yeah, I think all three of us specifically have so much, you know, like I, I think for a successful business owner to have longevity in their business, it requires a lot of like self-awareness as a business owner. I mean, like who you are as a person, but also I know too that if I can't make a lot of money this year, if I'm put in a position where I'm beginning to feel the burdens of like not making enough money, then I'll go shoot weddings again. I'll find right. a way to make, like, I, I know that I have the skill set. I know that I have the character to, to go, but all of us do. And so like, I remember when Steven moved here, just like, um, so reminiscent of like how I felt when I moved to Chicago, just like trying to reestablish your business here mm -hmm. and provide for you and Laura, like it takes time, but you also would, yeah. are not the kind of person who'd be like, oh my gosh, guys, like, by the way, we have to move back because we're not going to make it here. Like no one, none of us are like that. And so I know myself too. I'm, the risk is a very, uh, it's not really a risk either to like go all in on yourself because I know myself, I will not be in a position of like $45,000 in credit card debt again. Um, or like being so worried, can I put, 
can I put the girls in this program because we don't have the money in our account? So, yeah. That's, and diversification to me is so much more important as an insurance policy yeah. than an active driver of income. Yeah, 100%. Because the combination of self-awareness and recognizing if I get in a pinch, I have the skill set in seven different things to be able to at any point just like market it a bunch and then I have income again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm excited for this year. It's going to be a very good year. I think so too. A very good year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for doing this, Gene. Thanks for having me. We like when you talk. Mm-hmm. And that's why we wanted to interview you. So that you the funny thing is, more. I talk a lot in the studio downstairs. Yeah. Most of it's trolling. But <laughs> Actually, all of it's trolling now at this point. But yeah, no, I, uh, I had a blast. Thanks for having me. We want to hear your voice more in other episodes too. Woo. Or just make sounds. Or just make the well, opening line rhyme. In due Slant time. rhyme. In it rhymes. due time. You say, how does it go? Wow. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome to the Weird Cups. Oh, uh, 56.5. No, not that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Steven. I'm Eric. I'm Gene. What do you say before that? Oh, uh, hey, everyone. Everything welcome back to Rally oh, Do you know the line? Do you know, do you know, do you know what the line is? Yeah, he says, like, artist assumptions are everybody in between. That's exactly. I, I did not artist, speak English. Whoa. <laughs> artist assumptions in between. We just, that, we just exposed Eric. Eric doesn't know. Have you seen that podcast clip? <laughs> is, is it his... He's a comedian. His name's like Joey something. His name's Joey something. He's like, no, no, no. He, I can't remember. He's like, he's like, I'm the, I'm the most stereotypical white guy. I live in Brooklyn. I have a Labradoodle or whatever. And he's, and he's just like, and his friend is about to roast him. And he's just like, he's trying to say, you're the, you've been stereotypical all your life. He's like, wait, wait, get this. <laughs> and he just loses it. <laughs> He set it up with. He set it up with. Hey, get this. I'm, I'm so, 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 so. <laughs> you won't believe what happened. So, our temperature and everything in between. That, putting it there would be yeah, special. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, like it on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, rate it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, all the good things. Uh, we love you all, and we will see you in next week's episode. Bye. 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 Bye.